Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I'm very excited about this week's guest. She's a Palestinian fashion writer for New York Magazine's The Cut. Welcome to the show, Dania Isawi. Hello. Did I say your last name right? Yeah, Isawi. I think you did. Isawi. Yeah. Um, Me and Dania have been sitting in my living room, chit-chatting, talking about fashion week and chaos and wanting to die. (laughs) Hmm, who doesn't, uh, you know, from time to time? Don't, don't we all? Don't, a little bit. Not in a real way. Not real, just like metaphorically. Don't kill yourself. Definitely don't do yeah, that. Don't if do you need that. to speak to somebody, speak to somebody. Yeah, just not me at this very moment in time, because I don't know that I would be of any service, because my brain doesn't work. Mushy brain. Yeah, we, we have mushy brain status. We have fashion week brain. Fashion week brain. Um, I really, like, have been attempting to, like, talk to as few people as possible. <laughs> since um because it really is just like a week and a half of just like sprinting and having conversations yeah with new people people that you kind of know Mm -hmm. people that you like kind of follow on some social media platform people that you'd like to know yeah so that actually i met dania for the first time outside of a fashion week party um and it was the mark jacobs heaven party and it was truly just pure chaos. Mm -hmm. And she came up to me and she was like very nice. And I was like, Oh my God, I know you from TikTok." I was so flattered that you knew who I was because I was like, I'm going to feel weird going up to her (laughs) because I think she's cool. But I was like, you know, let's just go for it. No, I was like, immediately was like, I fall, like, I see your TikToks. You're very intelligent and you have very insightful things to say, which is like very rare on TikTok. (laughs) And I was like, so I definitely know who you are. Like that will leave an impression on someone when it's like, oh wow, this person makes sense. This is crazy. But like, I was like talking to Dania and I found out she was Palestinian. And then like my excitement did increase, I would say quite (laughs) drastically. Um, because anytime someone says that they're Palestinian, I'm just like, I feel like there's just like a different kinship there. It's an instant bond. I'm just like, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Even know? when I meet other Arab people who are not Palestinian and then I tell them I'm Palestinian, yeah. it's almost like I'm like their baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my goodness. Like it's on the house, whatever you get's on the house. That's, and it's like at the way that that happens, like in real life versus like on the internet is also very interesting to me because again, you like meet other Arabs and there's this instant, like, like, you know, the, that Arab hospitality mm-hmm. really just jumps out. But then like online, like Arab people are like the ones who bully me the most. <laughs> no. Yeah. Wait, for does, real. Do, wait, does that not happen to you? Um, sometimes. Okay. Like it depends on what I'm posting. Right. Um, if I like post about like having a boyfriend, people yeah. are like, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to go to hell. But then other, I sometimes Muslim people are like very nice to me and like, that makes me sad that yeah, like yeah, Arab I, people bully you the most. Oh, no, no, no. But Arab people also love me, but also they're, and, and I, and here's the thing. I have a lot of empathy, right? Because as an Arab with mm-hmm. Arab parents, I imagine that everyone experiences the same amount or, you know, relatively the same amount of like criticism Mm -hmm. from their parents. I understand my parents. So I know that any of their criticism comes from like a place of like, they can't help it and they Mm -hmm. don't mean any harm by it. They have like good intentions. I don't know that every parent feels that way, but mine do. So I'm very critical of myself. Mm -hmm. So when other Arabs are very critical of me, I'm kind of like, I feel like it's like a compulsion Mm -hmm. and they can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, I wish you wouldn't, but I get it. It's like, 
not to throw this term around, but there's like a lot of generational trauma yeah. that people don't break from. And I feel like a lot of times, like people, when you come from a lineage that has generational trauma, especially in like the Arab community, like it's hard to break free from that. And so you just kind of regurgitate whatever you've been told, yeah. whatever you've been taught, whatever you've experienced. And yeah. then, like you said, you project it onto other yeah. people. Um, but I do feel like, okay, so I would see Danny has TikToks and she would often, you know, refer to having a boyfriend. And I, I was like, well, is she Muslim? Like what the fuck is going on? Because, you know, we were chatting about this before and I'm like, a Muslim girl will do anything, but say that she has a boyfriend, mm -hmm. like literally will go to the depths of the earth to avoid it. We'll mm -hmm. make up every lie though. They're so creative, you know, but you, here you are on the internet which is accessible to all is say, <laughs> proclaiming I have a boyfriend and I'm just like, what's the deal? Is it, is she Christian Lebanese? You know, is it Nancy? Like who, <laughs> what's going on? And, uh, but no, apparently she, I have a live Palestinian Muslim girl whose parents are aware mm -hmm. that she has a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first. So tell me, tell me about this journey you went on with your parents <laughs> where, that happened and like it's just like it's it's chill right yeah it is uh so yeah we do exist uh <laughs> this is muslim palestinian woman with boyfriend erasure whoa um yeah. but it was it was definitely a journey um so my boyfriend is a white man <gasps> i know no <laughs> not the colonizer i know i know i know um but he's really great and i do love him a lot um so we've been together for four years um, my dad didn't know about him for the first two. And actually he still doesn't know that he didn't know about the first two. Aww. So Baba, if you're listening, I just needed time. I just needed time. Baba, she was just thinking about you and yeah, your feelings. I was, I really was. Yeah. Um, I think my mom always knew I wasn't going to end up with like an Arab Muslim guy, even though I'm she hoped. Yeah. yeah. We all have hopes. Everybody has hopes. Um, and my mom and I have always been very close, especially when it comes to like boys, for whatever reason, like okay. I had a boyfriend in sixth grade and I, I told her about it. Um, also a white boy. Yeah. Okay. okay I grew up in Prairie village, Kansas. Hey, listen, there's no judgment here. I, I too have a disease and that disease <laughs> is being attracted to white men, but go ahead. It's that's the real pandemic. Yeah. yeah it really is. It's a curse upon me. It personally. is. Um, yeah, I grew up in a very white community, so that's that backstory. Um, and I told my mom about it in sixth grade and then, she eventually told my dad and that wasn't cool then. Right. I was 12. Yeah. Um, Fair. but this time around, I told my mom right when my boyfriend and I started talking, his mm -hmm. name is Spencer. And I was like, I am talking to this guy. I really like him. And her whole thing was like, how does he treat you? Okay. And she just kept asking me how he treats me, how he makes me feel. And he frankly treats me like a princess. Wow. Um, uh, and so when we started dating, I like, told my mom and she met him and she really liked him. And I kept like telling her like, I want to tell Baba, but like, I'm scared. Yeah. Even though my dad literally is like the most gentle person ever. I, you know, you just don't want to disappoint your dad. You, no, trust me. I have a gentle Baba too. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that he will love me regardless, but like, I never want to hurt his little Baba feelings. I know. Because it's sad when Babas are sad, especially when they're like little sweet, gentle Babas. Cause it's like, I know you're very sensitive. I know. Yeah. And like, I know my dad has a very strong fear of like our culture. Yes. Getting lost. Yeah. Um, and I do too. But, um, after two years, I 
was just like, hey, <laughs> I'm talking to a man and I really like him and he's not Muslim and he's not Arab. And my dad was like, ah, really? Like, that's not great for me. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And he wasn't like super on board at first, but I was like, my mom was like, wouldn't you rather have her be happy in the long run? Right. And have a relationship with us. And be open with us and let us know when these things in her life are that happening. She's a smart lady. She really is. She's she's a doctor and her, her dad was very progressive as well. Yeah. Very in a similar vein. Um, so she was like, wouldn't you rather have a relationship with her and whoever she's with instead of her feeling like she needs to shut us out of this relationship yeah. and then us cr- like have distance between us? Um, so he slowly began opening up and then he met my boyfriend and he just absolutely loves him. And my boyfriend loves my dad. And like whenever Spencer comes over for like meals, my dad will like smoke meat for him, which like, that's, that is love that, you know, that is love. Like making meat for someone as an Arab, that is a love letter. It is. Especially from like a Baba. Oh, like a mama will feed you mm-hmm. regardless. She doesn't mm-hmm. give a fuck who you are, mm-hmm. but a baba feeding you mm-hmm. like he has to put his pride aside. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things and like, it, it's like this weird, like I'm a man and I, as a man, I'm making a meat for you. I'm making like, a meat for another man. Yeah. 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 And like, we're going to eat this meat together yes. and it means something to me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, over the course of the last two years that my dad has known Spencer, they've just really built a very strong relationship Um, and my boyfriend recently had to go home. His dad, his dog was diagnosed with cancer. So we had to go home really quickly to say goodbye. It was very sad. That is really sad. I'm really sorry. But my dad lent him the family car so he could drive from our house to his family home two and a half hours away. And he like made him a meal. And then on his way back, like took him to the airport. And it was just like, it meant so much to me to know that like, I, get to both have my person, this person that's going to be my life partner and I get to have my parents. And I feel like for a lot of Muslim girls that grow up in the U S or any non-Muslim majority country, oftentimes they have to choose. Right. And I feel so blessed that my parents are so open to like not allowing me to have happiness, but to celebrate my happiness rather than feel like I have to hide it. If that makes sense. No. And like, I think, so I have a question, which is that, are you first generation or were your parents born here? I'm first generation. Okay. What, what do you think? Like, okay. So like, obviously you can only really know your own experience, but what is it that you think perhaps influenced your mother in such a way? I know you mentioned that she grew up in a more progressive household, but like, is there something that you think maybe helped her feel this way are you the only are you the only child no i have a little brother and he also he is much younger than me he was 19 at the time but he also had a girlfriend and my parents were like oh he's in high school it doesn't mean anything and i'm like well if you're gonna have a girlfriend yeah i'm gonna have a boyfriend and i'm gonna tell dad (laughs) i love that you were like literally like your little brother gave you the the push to be like, you know what? What well, fuck it? If this child can have a girlfriend, yes, I could do whatever I want. Yes, and he's always been like that. My brother doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so he essentially leads in the rebellious factor. And then I'm like, anyway, same. Yeah. You're like, Oh, also me too. Yeah. I'm also doing that. Yeah. But they like, you did it first. So like, if you're going to be mad at someone, be mad at the leader. Exactly. But, but yeah, like what, do you feel like anything like contributed to her, your mom just being this, like what seems to be like magical, amazing person? <laughs> she is a magical, amazing person. Um, she's also a doctor and yeah. she, what kind of doctor is she? She family practice, but okay. she was an anesthesiologist okay, before sick. she moved to the States. Nice. Put me to sleep. Um, yeah. Right. I'm like, well, why didn't you just stay in that field? Yeah. I'd like to take a nap. Could be a fun. Long, a long one. Could be fun. Yeah. Um, I just think she, she, I think it's a lot of factors. She's one, a very intelligent woman. Yeah. Um, and she understood that she'd rather have a relationship with me than not one. And I think she also went through a lot of changes. She got married when she was 27, mm-hmm. moved to the States, and then her mother-in-law also moved in with mm-hmm. her and her newlywed husband. So I think she was oh, going wow. through a lot at the same time. That's a challenge. Yeah. And I don't think she felt like she a lot, had a lot of um, maybe choice at that time. Right. Yeah. Even though she chose my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I get – like I know what you mean like in that like it's – she chose to marry your dad, but then the way it unfolded, mm-hmm. like, wasn't maybe her preference. I think it just didn't meet the expectations she right. had of what her first years of marriage were going to be like. Yeah. Um, but even prior to that, she m- chose my dad. Her parents never pressured her mm-hmm. to marry any certain type of guy. Yeah. Even though her dad was, like, a prominent judge, mm-hmm. they just, they prioritized their children's happiness. Yeah. Which is crazy because she's from a family of 10. And so are both of them. I actually, I think my mom is 10. I don't know how many siblings my dad has, but it might be more than 10. My dad has 13. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, it's like somewhere. I honestly don't, can't keep track. That's crazy. Yeah, we I have know. so many cousins. Yeah, well, literally hundreds. Literally. literally. Everyone's literally. like, oh, I've got two cousins. I'm, I have hundreds. And that's not me being hyperbolic. Hundreds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's, I don't know all of them. There's no way. It's just not possible. And I will never know and all I, of them. And I, you know what? I'm sorry, but I don't kind of don't care about some of y'all. I care about you guys. If you're listening, I care. <laughs> I care about my mom's side of the family. I do want to make that abundantly clear. <laughs> it's always the dad's side. There's a, what the fuck is wrong with them? Like get a life. But no, my mom's side of the family. Love you guys all. Talk to all of them. Know all of those cousins. The dad's side, I'm like, I know some of, they know the ones that matter. Uh, but so like, where did your mom grow up? Both my parents grew up in Syria. Okay. Um, their parents... And some of their older siblings were refugees from Palestine and then moved to Syria. And, um, my dad emigrated to the U S when he was 18. Wow. And then my mom married my dad and emigrated to the U S when she was 26, 27. So around the same age I am, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to think about, um, because I feel like a baby. And so thinking about my parents going through all of that, not knowing the language, having to start their careers over, I putting myself in their shoes is just like such a mind fuck. Yeah. I do that, uh, often and, um, it never stops just like, I feel like the, every single time I think about it, I think of it in a different way. And I'm just like, how dare I ever ask anything of these people? Mm-hmm. How dare I ever like have a single criticism or like, just like genuinely anything. I should say nothing mm-hmm. because I don't know that I could do that. In fact, I feel quite confident that I don't think I could have 
done what they like, you know what I mean? Like you grow up, you're a refugee and then you have like this very difficult life and then you work really hard to try to get an education and then you get that education. And then, you know, you try to then support your family typically with this, what my parents did. So then now that they finally have created something for themselves by working really hard, they are now responsible for so many people just on their own volition. No one, you know, no one's demanding it of them. And Mm -hmm. then moving to America and like, I know that it was different because my parents moved during the seventies. It was, you know, people didn't, people didn't understand Muslims, but they didn't, I don't think hate them mm-hmm. as much. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they're still treated like, you know, other less than in a lot of ways and like still, you know, navigate it and manage to be very successful mm-hmm. and build lives. And I'm just like, what the actual fuck? Cause everything feels so Life feels so hard sometimes yeah. and I am so privileged. I have everything. Like Literally. I'm not struggling. And nope. at the same time, I'm like, wow, sometimes I'm hanging on by a thread mm-hmm. and I cannot imagine being in their place and, and also going through this life stage. For God's sake, like literally fashion week, I feel like I need to be on bed rest for right. a week after fashion week, right? which and- is the most entitled asshole thing that I've ever and will ever say. It like, feels so silly. Fashion week is so exhausting. Like I need to rest. Like what the fuck? Right. My dad was like, oh, I moved states four times because people were racist to me. But anyway, <laughs> let's go to school and become an engineer. Literally like that's what I'm saying. And like the way that they just casually say these things. So matter of factly, like yes. of course I, you know, had to just do all of these unnecessary things. But I did them and that's fine. I'm not even actually upset about them at all. And I'm not even going to complain. And I'm just like, what? I would complain about that forever. Sometimes my parents say things, like you said, very matter of factly. And I'm like, that's trauma. Oh, that's deep trauma. And they're like, meh, it happened. It's fine. And I'm like, okay, therapy. (laughs) Where's the therapy? So fun fact, um, I found out. So, okay. Growing up, you know, I was like, mama, baba, like, where are you from? Reza. Okay, cool. So I'm like, my parents are from Gaza. Mm-hmm. That that's just what I thought. I didn't find out until I had my mother on my podcast that she was a refugee, and that is why she lived in Gaza. Like she's not from Gaza. Wait, what? Yes, but she just like didn't feel the need to like let me know that she was a refugee, and then like literally in the it's I mean it's available to listen to. I find out that my mother was like a literal refugee in the sense of like had to flee her home to like, not just like, you know, every Palestinian refugee, like, like that, like she literally had to like flee and like was alive during like the Nekba and like just all of these very terrible things, like recalling walking over dead bodies while holding her baby sister while she was seven years old. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, Oh shit, that's like incredibly traumatic. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, what else? You know what I mean? <laughs> like chill. sucks to suck, you know? Like she's just like, I mean, she literally says things like, but a lot of people had it way worse. Like I never saw my dad get shot outside of my house. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's good, but also is that the the way we're, we're going to judge whether or not something was traumatic. Right. You know what I mean? Whether or not one of your parents were shot. In like these are both, these are both bad. Yeah. Like I would say walking over dead bodies, huge bummer for any child. <laughs> That's a big bummer, big bummer. But like, also like the, she just genuinely. And I, it's like one of those things where like, I do think that therapy is like super helpful and like 
it can never hurt to go to therapy, but I actually sincerely believe that my parents don't need to go to therapy because they have just like truly accepted it. And I don't think are upset about it. Like they've just accepted their trauma for what it is. They don't allow it to define them. They're not like holding on to it. They're just like, that's just like a part of my life that like happened. And like, that's just like what was meant to happen. And like, I'm fine. That's interesting. And like, I'm like, damn, like, I really feel like I don't know that. I don't know that it's like upsetting to them, which is crazy because it's like, you've experienced so much trauma you would imagine, I mean, it does affect them, but like not in the most negative ways that you would think right. it could. Right. Because they've really just like, I guess, conditioned themselves to being like, well, this is what was normal. So like, w- it's not unique to yeah, me. Yeah. So many of their peers went through something yeah. similar, if not worse, like your mom said. And so like, why am I going to sit here and dwell on it essentially? Right. right. Or allow it to define me because like, it's just like something that happened. I love that you had your mom on your podcast. Um, <laughs> and I want to do like a private podcast with both my mom and my dad. Just, it's like a nice oral history to have. Yeah. Cause like my dad's told me the story of how he immigrated here yeah. and I want, I like want it all, you know? And you I should. wish I could have had that with like my grandparents Me too. and it sounds morbid to be so future thinking, but I'm like, I, I want my parents' stories, you know? It, it, honestly, this is going to be slightly emo, but like I had my dad on my podcast and it's to this day, one of my favorite episodes ever. And my dad is, um, he's 76 years old. He recently was diagnosed with cardiovascular dementia. And so he doesn't remember things like he used to. And so I'm really grateful that I have that episode Mm -hmm. because he was like, that's him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, I feel like to have, something to listen to where it's like, this is my Baba. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and like, he's still, you know, obviously he's still my Baba, but like, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I'm like, I'm glad that I can listen to that and like, remember him in the way that like, I've known him, mm-hmm. you know, it's different. Yeah. And that's like, so special that like, even, even if he hadn't been diagnosed with that people change. Yeah. And it's special that you have that moment in time with him as you've known him, like for such a long period of time. Yeah. That's really special. I'm constantly, I swear to God, my podcast should be called like parental mortality reminder (laughs) because the way that I'm just always like, be nice to your parents, like try to understand them. They've been through a lot. And like, also they're going to die. Like, like life, like I swear to like, because, and I think it's like, a lot to do obviously with the fact that my parents are so much older that like, it was just always something that I was aware of, mm-hmm. you know, like people thought they were my grandparents, right? You know, no one ever was like, Oh, that's your mom. They're like, Oh, that's your grandma. Um, but I'm grateful for that because I'm like, I feel like I started realizing and like humanizing them at an mm. earlier stage in life because you know, when you're a kid, you're just like, you don't know shit about shit. You don't know shit about shit. And you're just like, I'm going to fucking fight my parents and I don't want to hang out with you. And like, this isn't fun, but I'm like the way that I just have like hundreds of notes on my phone of just random things that my parents tell me because I never want to forget them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what I mean? And like, so like you should definitely a hundred percent record, like just like ask your parents like questions and record it and like have it. I think everyone should do that because it's like, it's really special. And like, also like 
especially when your parents have gone through so much, especially as a Palestinian, I think it's also important to like have that history documented Mm -hmm. because again, I didn't realize my mom was a refugee until like two years ago. Right. Which is so crazy. I think I, 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 this is going to sound so weird. I didn't really realize I was Palestinian for a while because my parents both grew up in Syria. So I would spend the summers in Syria. And when I was a kid, I was like, your parents are Palestinian and you're Syrian. Like something wasn't clicking. I was like, something's not making sense in my head. And then I think sometime around college, I was like, oh my God, like I'm Palestinian. I don't know what. (laughs) He like woke up. You're like, oh my God, am I Palestinian? I literally was like, what is going on? You start doing death You're like, what is my body doing? (laughs) I Just involuntarily. You're like making metluba. You're like, what the fuck is this? And we've, we've always had like done Palestinian things, eaten Palestinian food. I just like didn't understand that it was part of my identity, if that makes sense. Um, so that was an interesting revelation to have. Uh, but yeah, I, I How wish old were you, um, I think like end of high school. Okay. I started like understanding because when I was a kid, I was, I told people we were Syrian and my mom yeah. was like, that's not true, but okay. <laughs> Why are you a liar? That's fair, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I just was confused about it and I, I didn't have anyone around me other than like my direct family who was also Palestinian, um, to like talk about it with. Yeah. So it was very confusing. And then I started, as I got older, I developed Palestinian friend groups and met more Palestinian people. And I think that was like when I started to really identify myself as being Palestinian. Cause I just like didn't quite understand before. And it is, I feel like it's like one of those things that like, it's as a first generation American. And like, I feel like this is like, so like, even as I'm saying it, I'm like, I feel like this is just like always like the intersection of blah, blah, blah. But like, it is really hard living in the diaspora and Mm -hmm. like to feel a sense of like identity in that aspect. And it's confusing and it's a constantly, it's, it's constantly evolving and changing. And like the older I get, the more Palestinian I feel in like the Mm -hmm. weirdest ways. And I'm just like, this is hilarious. I am just my mom now. What the fuck? But like she's cool, so I'm not mad. <laughs> but like, like before you came here, I like lit bahur in my home, right. you know. Which is like, why did I do that? I don't know. I'm Palestinian. It's in your I blood. Guess. Like I'm just like, I guess I need to do this, and I'm not even like consciously aware of it. But you, you were born in Kansas, right? Yeah. Okay. When, when did you move to New York? I feel like I just totally jumped in the other direction. But like I, I feel like it is also interesting to hear like how old were you when you moved to New York 22 and at that time when you moved here did you feel a Palestinian identity like in a strong way or do you feel like it developed more living in New York it's developed more living in New York but it's not necessarily because I met more Palestinians in New York I, I ironically all of my Palestinian friends apart from you now yeah are mostly from Kansas. Okay. Um, but I think I developed a stronger sense of self in New York. And so that helped me develop a stronger sense of identity with my Palestinian roots. And I became more confident and comfortable in saying I was Palestinian Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you say it, there's always like, Oh, what do you think about what's going on? It's bad. That's what I think. I don't know what else to tell you. I think it's apartheid. It's apartheid. That's what I think. 
I don't human know rights violations? Do. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I think the UN should probably do something. Yeah, most likely. But they will do literally nothing ever. Yeah. Uh, but I really like the way you just like put that together because you actually just articulated it in a way that like me and my friends have been having this conversation recently about identity as a Palestinian living in New York specifically. Mm -hmm. And I just moved here a year ago. So I'm like, not like a New Yorker by any means. Like I'm a baby. I'm just like, I don't even know where the fuck I live. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, like when people are like, where well, are your cross streets? I guess, you know, like, I'm just like, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, eyeballing I, it. I hope it's correct. Right. And that I didn't just send you to an incorrect place. But <laughs> I do think that there is something about being in New York that makes me feel like a weird sense of like excitement to like say that I'm Palestinian mm -hmm. versus anywhere else that I've ever lived because you really never know what you're going to get. Yes. And like, sometimes it's like the whitest person you've ever met in your entire fucking life. Who's just like, Oh my God, I think what's happening to the Palestinian people is awful. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I love you. You're mm -hmm. my sister. And then, you know, other times it's like, Oh, Oh. And then you see them like dangling their star of David necklace. And I'm just like, I'm not going to fight you. Right. It's okay. Right. Rachel, relax. <laughs> it's okay, you know? Rachel. And like, they just feel so uncomfortable. They don't know how to react. Or then the, the most annoying, which is like, Oh, like, what are you? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. And then there's a fourth category where they're like, what's Palestine? Palestine doesn't oh. exist. And then you have to get into it. And you're I like, I haven't experienced that yet. I did with a, a real estate agent who I was one-on-one -on -one with alone in an apartment. That's terrifying. And he was a larger man, like larger I than I am. That so much. Um, I was very proud of myself. I was very restrained. I just started recording like, <gasps> Yeah, I've I've got the audio oh God, somewhere. Yes. It's from like a year and a half okay, ago. Exhibit A. Exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C. Yeah. Um and he was showing me the shittiest, ugliest apartment anyway. Fuck that guy. Um and in the end of the conversation, he was like, Oh, I don't give a fuck. They can all kill themselves and build a six flags there. And I was like, What is go I literally got out of there so fast. Yeah. Skirted, skirted out of there. Um but yes, as you said, you never know what you're gonna get when you no. tell people you're Palestinian here. It's always a toss up. I we, like, okay. So you were telling me earlier, we were talking about horoscopes. Uh, you're a Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. correct? So you said that you don't prefer confrontation. Mm -mm. I, it's not like I love confrontation, but like, I don't have a problem with it. Right. Like if it presents itself, I'm hyped. Okay. And I love that for you. Yes. Thank you. Um, but ironically I have Palestinian friends who like people try to fight them on the subject of just simply existing as a Palestinian because it's like super political to say that you're mm -hmm. Palestinian. I'm like, it's <laughs> fucking weird that you feel that way, but sure. And I'm like, I wish someone would fight me. Like, why won't it happen for me? It, it will. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm it's like, going to come into your path. I guarantee and it. And it's always like, I'm in the bathroom, right? And like a fucking <laughs> Zionist comes up to my friend and just like, for no reason, is just like, Palestine doesn't exist. And then like, I come out of the bathroom and she's just like, oh my God, the craziest thing just happened. I'm like, fuck. And like, it's always when I just like, not there yet. I'm running late. I'm in the bathroom. You know what? I'm doing something. I'm just like, when is it my turn to fight a Zionist in person in New York? I think the universe is just like... <laughs> hold the it, it it's holding out for you i just because the, the thing is is because you might be able to do it on a larger platform you never know what's gonna happen oh, i mean i do it on the internet but i just wanna i want to like 
I want it to be like a what because like I also feel like people are so emboldened online, right? Oh and God, I just yeah. like know in person, I'm like, you can't Google things, you know? Like you you have to look at me and also like again, I just want to reiterate, you can't Google things because so many times I'm like, so you just Googled that because mm-hmm. like literally that's the first thing that pops up on Google regarding a certain incident. Mm-hmm. Um but it's very fun for me because I think they expect you to typically be um, not very well-versed. Mm. And I am, and so I'm like, I am prepared. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I feel like ready. So I'm like, I want to do it just so like, you know, it's always a good day when I can make a Zionist recognize that they are brainwashed. It, I, I really, I've had a few people in my DMs that have been spewing hateful Zionist rhetoric at me. And I literally, one person stopped responding when I sent them the Amnesty International report, a report from the UN yeah. about how it's an apartheid. And then one other from a human rights organization. And they literally stopped responding because I think they were like, I don't know what to say to this. Right. Yeah. This is literally from Amnesty. It's like irrefutable. What, what do I say? Right. Yeah. No, it's, but I will say it's, it, it does also, again, I feel kind of sad because I'm like, is it even your fault that you're this brainwashed? It's honestly, sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes I'm like, damn, like you actually believe this, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So I feel sad for you because you're delusional. I think the other reason why I've been able to lean more heavily into my Palestinian identity is because our generation has done so much to turn the tide of the public's view of Palestine and Palestinian people and the, the like sovereignty of Palestine, like everything. Like there's so many Palestinian creatives, like Bella Hadid, like Mo's, Mo's new show. My president of Palestine, Bella Hadid. Oh, she's our princess. She's literally just, I, it's not because she's a beautiful model. It's just because she's a beautiful, just person, person existing in this earth and like doing the right thing. And like at such a young age, that's the other thing that I feel like people constantly forget is how young she is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, she's just so articulate. Mm -hmm. She's just so Mm well-informed. She speaks about things in such a beautiful way that I'm just like, where did you come from? Like, she speaks about them in like a peace seeking way as well. Yes. She's never like instigating. No, she speaks about things from the perspective of like desiring peace. And I am not kidding. It's going to sound like silly when I say it, but the amount she has done to turn the tide on specifically Gen Z's view of Palestine, not even their view, just their knowledge. I'm sure most people like really don't have a clue about what's going on in Palestine. They probably don't know a Palestinian person personally. And the amount that she has done to turn people's perspective into either an informed or positive one about Palestinian people is like, it's you, you can't, it's like insurmountable. Like it is invaluable. It's, I never thought I would see it. Yeah. And I'm sure my parents sure as hell never thought they'd see it. It's that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's a very surreal thing to see this person who is just like a famous person, like in every way and like the famous person and just speaking about it with zero hesitation, zero concern for her herself. And Mm -hmm. quite frankly, her safety, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All of these things or her career or anything. She's just like, 
no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about it because I'm a human being who cares Mm -hmm. and I'm not a piece of shit Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it. And like, it seems like, oh, that everyone should do that. But like, that's very much not the case for Palestine. And like, you know, obviously there are terrible things happening in the world at all times, at every given moment, there Mm -hmm. are so many horrible injustices occurring right now in Iran, like just genuinely fucking everywhere Mm -hmm. all the time. But like, people are so afraid about having any thoughts on Palestine, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I do think that there is something special about that specifically. And it's not just because I'm Palestinian and I'm biased, but it's because be fucking for real people. People don't talk about Palestine in support of Palestine when they're public figures Mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's quote unquote controversial and it's political and it's a conflict and there's two, whatever the fuck, but like, it's just like, no, like anyone with a brain knows what it's apartheid Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's incorrect and it's wrong Mm -hmm. and we should be speaking about it, but it's, it's just the way it has been portrayed in the media and, you know, all the propaganda spread by Zionists has created this weird, like, oh, but Palestine, like, like it's like in hushed tones. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, even just stating to someone I'm Palestinian is like making a political stance. Mm -hmm. It's like inherently political just to exist. I know, which is like, I'm not, I'm okay with it, but also like, it's a little silly. It's a little silly. It's like a good and bad thing too. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier of just like leaning into your identity. Like it almost feels like there's more pressure to really align with your Palestinian identity because you're aware of the fact that like our country is disappearing, mm-hmm. our homeland is disappearing. And so if you are loud enough about being, being Palestinian, it feels like that won't happen. And, and I do think that that is true though. It is because, you know, we're really in every space now. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really exciting for me because as much as I think it's important to obviously talk about what is happening, like actually in Palestine to Palestinians who live there and it's just, you know, devastating, heartbreaking, they're, you know, dehumanized on a daily basis. I think it's also important to celebrate Palestinian success and Mm -hmm. joy and seeing Palestinians just doing shit Mm -hmm. and being happy. It feels like we're winning. Yes. You know, like I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I talked to, um, I think she's Palestinian. Her name's Lena and she runs this Instagram account called between East. Okay. And what she does is celebrate like middle Eastern North African women who like are in creative spaces or like are doing cool things or like neurosurgeons. She like, you know, she, profiles them on the Instagram account. And something she told me was, I told her sometimes I feel guilty that I'm not in like a space in journalism where I'm doing like reporting like from Gaza Mm -hmm. or like from another Middle Eastern country. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I'm not doing enough to like spread the narrative. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, people outside of Arab communities have to see us in a celebratory light. Otherwise it's not going to work. They can't always see us as people that are being persecuted. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's just like something in their brain isn't going to click. Yeah. So when they pe- see people in like creative spaces or, you know, Arab people just succeeding in general, yeah. I feel like that it's not, 
I wouldn't, I don't want to say it's like equally important, but it does need to have an importance. Yeah, no. And I, and I think that there's a lot of survivor's guilt, yes. you know, and there's a lot of just like, you know, especially if you have a platform or you're in a position where you work in media in some capacity, you feel this like obligation to be doing more constantly to spread awareness. But I, and this is something that like I had struggled with because when Reza was under attack in 2020 for 14 days consecutively, I mean, I just, first of all, was, you know, a fucking mess. I have so much family there. I was just constantly waiting for someone to call me and be like, your aunt died or your cousin mm-hmm. died, you know? So, and I mean, luckily that didn't happen, um, to my family, my immediate family, but that happened to so many people. And I, after that felt like, how can I just talk about fashion now? Mm-hmm. How can I just, you know, talk about anything? Like literally, how can I do that? Like, how can in, in my heart, how could I be okay with that? How does it feel right? Does it sit well with me? And I really had to sit with that feeling and, and let it give myself time to like reflect on why I felt that way and like how I was going to navigate it moving forward. And I think it was during that time that I really realized me existing and doing what I do is still something for Palestine. Mm -hmm. It's it's, I'm not, you know, single, it's not like I freed Palestine by posting on Instagram, <laughs> but like, I think that me celebrating myself and showcasing like, Hey, I'm Palestinian. And like, look what I did mm-hmm. is it's still something. And I think what made me feel better about that, honestly, is the people in Palestine, like my family and also just people who follow me online, who live in Palestine they weren't mad at me. Mm-hmm. They were happy for me. Mm-hmm. They, they're excited. They're the ones who support me the most. And I'm like, if they're not upset about it, then why the fuck am I going to sit here right. and like stress over this? Right. You know, I'm letting the Zionists win. Right. You know what I mean? Oh my God. And that's literally, yeah. I, I, I can't even, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, even yeah, wrap yeah. my brain around that. Um, yeah, I, I, it's like you said, the survivor's guilt was so strong, especially during that period of time. It, and it felt it was like twofold. Like I was like, Oh God, why am I not the one suffering? Like why, why is it my family that got out? And like, why are they the ones like basically like holding down the fort? Like they're making sure that we really like aren't erased off the map when they have literally nothing but like stones. You know what I mean? Um, and it also felt like I had to, I couldn't stop consuming the media that was coming out of Palestine because I felt like if I didn't and I didn't relay it to the people in my life or my followers or the people in my circles, they weren't going to know. And so it was like so much, like it's just so much. Yes. Like secondhand trauma in a way. Like I would just find myself crying and like, and then feeling guilty because I was crying because I'm not actually experiencing it. It was so much. You're you're telling me like, same. Yeah. Like, and it's these shared experiences that I do believe are the reason why when I meet someone, they say I'm Palestinian. I immediately like, I love you Mm -hmm. because you experience so many emotions that people are completely unaware of. Mm -hmm. But like, I know that you get it. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that you cried when she was murdered. Mm -hmm. And I know that you, you care about 
these people who are just existing in a war zone and so many people are either completely unaware or just simply don't fucking care. Mm -hmm. They just, and and that's another thing that I really had to come to terms with. Like people actually just don't care. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not that they are ignorant. I just think they don't care Mm -hmm. because they're like, not my problem. And to a certain extent, I'm like, okay, not everyone can care about everything. Right. But like, you should care a little bit if it's a human being and they're suffering, Mm -hmm. like I, you don't need to dedicate your entire life to it, but like, you know, I can empathize with people in India. Mm -hmm. I can, you know what I mean? Like I can empathize with other people and care and want to be informed. And and if I can do something and it's, if it's within my ability or capacity, like I I want to do something, I'm not, again, like not, you can't care deeply about everything. Mm -hmm. I actually think that you can just like it's not sustainable right but like to not care at all yeah just you're bad that's been kind of a litmus test for like the relationships i have in my life if people don't care about what's going on in palestine then i'm like inherently that is my entire ass identity inherently how do you care about me you don't how are you and i gonna be friends if you don't care about this thing that is literally so integral to who i am and to my value system and to my beliefs, we clearly don't have the same values then. I've had to have some very hard conversations with friends about exactly what you're saying. And these are friends who I had known for years, never had really any big fights with them. But when everything was happening in Gaza, I would say that like in my adult life, that is the like series of uh, violent attacks on them that I, was most aware of, I guess. Yes. Because I was an adult. Yeah. Um, and it was like very bad. I mean, it's always bad, but it was just like, you know, very bad. And I had friends who did not check in on me and would text me about silly things like restaurant recommendations while I'm in my house sobbing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were like, what do you, I, and, and it was just so much like, so much so like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, if you care about me and I'm your friend, you should know. Yeah. And also I'm doing the work so that you can know. And also like, I love expressing myself. And so I'm like, unless you're fully just not listening to me when I speak, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm very vocal about everything that I feel. I have no trouble expressing myself. I have no internal monologue. So, you know, and so you just decided because it, for whatever reason, makes you feel uncomfortable to not be like, Hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You know, but like, if I had broken up with a boyfriend, you would have no problem saying, are you okay? But mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm sitting here worried about losing family members and you're, you're not going to ask me if I'm okay. That's just so bizarre. That's crazy. Like, like, yeah. And like, and I had to have those conversations. Have you experience kind of like these weird fucking interactions with like people. Oh my God. The fucking weirdest. I, one of my friends in her apartment above them, they were friendly with the guys who were their neighbors. One of them had been a soldier in the Israeli offensive forces. Yeah. And I 
did not want to be in the room with him. I, I didn't, I didn't want to interact with him, no. not even because I thought we were going to get into a fight, but I'm like inherently your existence and your participation in that activity is oppression to my people. Yes. So I just don't want to interact. Right. And my friend, when everything was happening in Gaza, she was like, why don't you guys just have a conversation? For fucking what? And I literally go, why would you have me do that? And she, I could tell she felt really awkward and I, I felt bad that she felt awkward, yeah. but I also was like, why would you ever put me in that kind of a position? Yeah. Because that's not cool. And like, they continued to hang out with him going forward. He was their buddy. And I'm like, how do I navigate these nuances in my life? Do I cut these people out that yeah. I like care about that? Like, can't wrap their heads around how difficult this is for me. And I don't know, like, am I supposed to expect people to drop people like I will because they're Zionists or because they're anti-Palestinian or because they just don't give a shit. I just don't know how to navigate these. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to terms with how to navigate these yeah. things. And it, it is tricky. And I think it's also very much like situational, right? Yeah. So, um, I have friends who are not Palestinian that are friends with people who, um, you know, were born in Israel or have, you know, fond emotions towards Israel. And I don't know that they, I don't, to my knowledge, know of any of them that they've cut out. But what I do know, and these are people who are still in my life is that they very much will loudly defend Palestine to those people. Well, that's good. And that to me is meaningful. It's like, if you drop them, that's cool too. But like, I do think that there's also something to be said about like, okay, you're not going to drop that person, but like, you're going to make sure that they know what your position mm -hmm. is. You're going to make sure that they know. And when they try to give you their fucking weird brainwashed propaganda sob story, you're going to tell them, why don't you go cry in the iron dome and shut right. the fuck up right? and stop acting like this is even in any way, some type of equal, like sides war, like right. shut the fuck up. Right. So as long as I know that that is happening, I'm okay with it. But like, if it's not made clear to me, then those are people that I have very much just been like, I don't hate you, but you are just no longer someone who I am going to give energy to. Yes, exactly. I have, I have no hate or ill no. will toward those people at all. I just, so much of my energy is already being consumed by this. I cannot give no. anymore. And I think that's the other thing because you, you had mentioned that you're like, you felt bad that your friend was uncomfortable. And that's the other thing. It's, I think a lot of times people forget that it's like, we, we're, we understand we're, we're being understanding. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we're almost like putting our own feelings aside mm -hmm. and, and still considering your feelings given all of the circumstances and like, not that I expect anyone to give me a pat on the back, but like, that is something that I feel like if you are, if you care about someone that should mean something to mm -hmm. you, that even though you are in this very shitty position, the fact that you're even considering someone else's feelings, even though they basically said, Hey, why don't you go hang out with an oppressor of your people? Mm -hmm. Why don't you hang out with someone who's probably killed Palestinians mm -hmm. or aided the killing of Palestinians. Like, why don't you go, like talk to them? Yeah. Like, that's a crazy thing to say. Like, that's like, like I like, okay. I, I, I for a period of time, I uh, counseled survivors of uh, DUI manslaughters. Mm. And these are people who lost their loved ones. And, you know, oftentimes we're in the same courtroom as the person who 
killed them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it was like unintentional. I mean, it's a DUI. So I guess you should have been drinking, but like, it's not like they were like, you know, driving and trying to kill that person. Right. I would never be like, Hey, you know what I think you should do? <laughs> I think you should just have a conversation with them. Right. Really never. Because they didn't kill your daughter because they hated your daughter, but like they still killed your fucking daughter. Yeah. You know? So I'm not going to ask you to even be in the same room as them. And then if you are going to be in the same room as them, I'm actually going to just be there to provide you with comfort and advocacy. Right. And I'm never going to be like, Hey, go talk to that. But it's great. That's a crazy thing to say. So it's like for people to, and that's something that's been proposed to me several times. Like, Oh, you should have a Zionist on your podcast. I'm like, I have, why no would I do that? Interest in speaking why would I hold space for that person on my podcast? Would I like to fight them privately in my own time? Absolutely. But would I ever give them a platform? I don't care about anything they have to say because I don't like talking to stupid people and then sharing that with people. I also think people don't understand that like, Zionism is inherently anti-Palestinian. Yes. That's and literally the whole That's the whole premise. The whole and I don't think people quite understand yeah. that. Um, and I think once they do understand that, it, it's like, oh, well, now this is awkward. Right. And I feel <laughs> like now what do we do with this? I've re reiterated this so many times, but like also people need to stop conflating Zionism with Judaism. It's like literally has nothing it, to do I, with it. it. The, I really I'm so over it. I it really grinds my gears I'm just when like, read a book. people know that there's Jewish Palestinians, right? They they they, they do, but like, they just like really ignore it, ignore it. And I'm just like, that's really weird. That's really bizarre. Because like, they're Jewish too. Mm -hmm. Like you should care about that. Like at least you should care about them. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But like, no, they're just, they completely, they're like, that's not real. Palestine is only made up of demonic Muslim people and Muslims, as we know, are terrorists. So my favorite account <laughs> on Instagram is, um, Jewish Voices for Peace. Yeah, I nice. love their account. I like I like they always have such a great approach that is like conscious of Judaism yeah. and also conscious, obviously, of Palestine. Yeah. And I, I just like anytime they post something, it's informational for me as a Palestinian. And I'm like, this is going to be informational for all my followers. Like, yeah. you're going to get mad at the Jewish Voices for Peace. Mm -hmm. Listen to what they're saying. Yeah. Listen up. That's what I'm saying. And I'm like, it's, it is also one of those things though, that I, I also enjoy Jewish voices for peace, but like, I also, and I, this is something over the last year that I've, I've started to feel, I'm like, I love it. And I think it's great, but I don't feel the need to share those posts. So I would rather share posts directly from Palestinians mm. because there's this like little part of me and don't get me wrong. I love it. I love what they're doing. I think it's great, but I'm like, it feels like I'm trying to appease the white man mm -hmm. by being like, look, 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 like these, these Jewish people, they care about Palestinians. So like mm -hmm. maybe now you'll care. And there's like this little part of me that I'm just like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to make anything more palatable for you. Right. I don't want to spoon feed you things. I'm not going to handle this with like kids gloves and like present it to you in a way that is easy for you. I'm going to present it in whatever fucking way I would like. And for me, that is from Palestinians directly. And I think that those types of accounts are super important. Don't get me wrong. But like, I just kind of got to the point where I'm like, I don't, that's not what I want to share. Right. Like if people come across it on their own, great. But like, I would rather highlight Palestinian voices 
And if that makes people feel less inclined to listen, that's their fucking problem. Mm. But like, for me personally, I'm just really, really exhausted. And I feel like I've done it too much. Yeah. And I am almost like embarrassed at like how agreeable I've been about people's positions on things in my earlier twenties or whatever, because I, I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable, Yeah, you know, and I didn't want people to have a bad impression. And I was like, you know, I know how this is portrayed in the media. So if I, you know, seem, if it appears that I agree with something, then they're going to think I'm bad. And then they're going to think Palestinians are like, do you know what I mean? But I'm like, no, I'm going to actually just say whatever I feel and present it in however I would like to in that moment. And you could either listen and reflect on it, or you can just cover your ears and not give a fuck. And I am not responsible for how you receive this information. Right. I feel like that's something I need to be better at doing. And that's something I'm growing into is like not being so worried about alienating people from my views and my opinions, especially regarding Palestine, because I feel like there's such a fine line that we have to walk between being like diplomatic Mm -hmm. and being informative Mm -hmm. and being emotional enough. Like, I feel like I'm always having to convince people, Mm -hmm. like you said, appealing to the white man, Mm -hmm. why they should care. And I feel like I'm still in that phase of like, okay, now people are starting to care around me. And like, how do, how do I keep that going? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't always want to have to be diplomatic about it. I do just want to like say what's on my mind. Um, but I'm also like, you know, relearning how to do that in a public sphere. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's not something that I feel like I've fully, I guess for lack of better words, like perfected. Mm -hmm. It's something that I definitely didn't become aware of until the last few years that I was doing it, you know, and I've spoken about this on my podcast before, which is like something I experienced a lot was like, you know, I would be like, Oh, I'm Palestinian. And people would be like, show me it on a map. And like, it was, it was just so dehumanizing, right? It was like a joke. And I would laugh because I didn't want to make them feel bad for making such an insensitive joke. And now I will say, I'm like, if someone said that to me, Ooh, I fucking dare you. You're such an Aries. I fucking dare you. I would love if you did it actually. Like that's the other thing. And I feel like when I was more so in that mindset of being PC, right. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean PC in like the literal sense. I mean, PC in like the way that like the media has, you know, convinced people of this, what's happening to Palestinian people. But like, people can feel that shift in me. And that's why they don't say shit like that to me anymore without like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like kind of like, I like that it just radiates like people who don't even know me. They don't follow me online. Nothing. They just, they're like, Oh shit. Like she's, I'm not going to say anything Mm -hmm. to her. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, good. Yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. Cause you should shut the fuck up always constantly. You should actually never speak. again. (laughs) Never speak to me. Um, Don't make eye contact with me again. My friend, Dania, her mom, she can help. (laughs) she'll chat yeah she'll give you a little something something and no more talky talk for you (laughs) actually like my um parents it's actually very sad to see i feel like they've become so jaded about palestine they're i feel like they're exhausted they're tired and like anytime something exciting happens i'm like oh my god like people are talking about palestine they're like yeah well the same old shit is gonna happen that it's been happening for the past 70 years and i don't fault them i don't fault them at all i actually it it makes me 
like, I feel like my mom is amused mm. by it in a way. Cause she's just like, girly, what do you think is happening? Did you think that you just freed Palestine? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like do you think things are going to change, but not in a way where she's like, Oh, I don't care. Like, she, of course she cares about Palestine. She cares about Palestine more than I ever will. Mm-hmm. Right. But like she, it's not that she's hopeless. Yes. It's that she is, like you said, a little more jaded. And so she's not, you know, uh, going to celebrate the things that I celebrate mm-hmm. like a Bella Hadid. Yeah. Right. Like, and you know, I, did have to inform my mother on Bella Hadid because I was like, well, she's the president of Palestine. Right. So I feel like in you case you know. didn't know, I feel like you should know. Um, and she's like, I mean, that's like cool, but like, who cares? It's like cautious. It's cautious, hopefulness and optimism. It's a lot of, and, and that's a great kind of way to look at it because it is. And I think this is very common with Palestinian refugees. They, are so disciplined in their expectations. Yes. And they very much kind of expect the worst and are content when it's not terrible. You know what I mean? Because they've been let down again and again by the institutions that are supposed to serve them. They don't have any trust in them anymore. They've seen them fail. They've seen them leave their families out to die. Yeah. So... What what else are they supposed to expect? And I think that's what makes me like feel very excited for Palestinians, uh, like in our generation and like younger generations, because like we are no longer. And I'm not saying this to like criticize like past generations. Like obviously, like I don't even know what that was like, right? And I can never even imagine. I wouldn't have survived, right? But like I don't have that kind of. I feel like something that I've noticed and something that is exciting for me is like Palestinians are just kind of like doing shit on Mm -hmm. their own. Like they're not looking to other people. Like my sister started a non-for-profit for for women and children in Gaza. She has built a headquarters there. Mm -hmm. She's gone back and forth to Gaza now multiple times because she's like, I am tired of fucking begging, you know, these organizations to give backpacks to children. I am just going to do this myself. I am going to, you know, provide women in Gaza with resources um, on postpartum depression on just like, you know, normal things that people experience. And that's the other thing. Like, I feel like, and I've been guilty of this. Like, we're just like so much. So like trying to give them the bare minimum of like the essentials. Right. But like, we're not thinking about the other basic human needs that like everyone experiences like postpartum depression and like, they're not provided with those things. And it's not even something that they think about. And it's not something that like, so it's like giving them truly basic things, but it's, it's just so exciting to see that like Palestinians are just like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then the way that other people are willing to help is also just really wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, I think it's, it's those situations that are like, you know, yes, it's terrible, but also like, look at this, yeah, you know? And like, it's something to feel again, like that Palestinian pride and that Palestinian joy and like seeing that we're really out here, we're doing things. We don't fucking need other people. Mm -hmm. And like, it's only going to, 
we're only going to continue building. Yes. And I think that that's really exciting. It is. And I also think it's like such a testament to like, I always joke with my other Palestinian friends. I'm like, God, we are such stubborn people, but like, it really is a testament to like the stubbornness of our people that we will not go away quietly. Like we are going to continue to make like noise about Palestine. We're going to continue to do things to elevate, like not only each other as Palestinians, but to like try and help like the narrative of Palestine. And I just like, we are so stubborn and I love that about us. Like we're not gonna stop talking about it. Yeah. It's been like over 70 years and like, we are going to continue to have these conversations. We're going to continue to excel in our spheres. Um, almost because like there's like a, a, and we have to do it because no one else is going to do it for us. Um, and I, I, I love that we're stubborn and we're not going to go away quietly. No. And it's honestly, truly maybe the, the reason for any success that I've experienced in my life is uh, my, um, innate Palestinian stubbornness. Mm -hmm. It really is. And that is, something that I do think is hilarious, but also something that I just like love to talk about because I'm like, Zionists are fucking punching the air right now. They're just like, Oh, we didn't think that this would then just make you want to do stuff more, you know, like we just thought you would like die. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, it just like makes me want to do like more stuff and be like more annoying about it. And like, it's funny. Cause there's like, obviously like the trope of like, Oh, you'll always know when someone is Palestinian because they'll like mention it. It's like, absolutely. We will. We have to, we literally have to. Uh And it's like, yeah, no, I I will always find a way like during fashion week. I'm like, cool. I'm going to wear my Palestinian necklace Mm -hmm. with a map of Palestine to as many shows as I can, especially the ones where I know they're going to be a lot of street style photographers. And I've talked about this before getting street style photos taken of me gives me and so many others so much body dysmorphia, but so true. So true. You know, at the very least I'm like, I'm going to wear my Palestine necklace. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I, maybe then I won't care as much that my face is orange. Right. Right. Um, so (laughs) like, is that really what my arm looks like? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, you know what, if you want to look orange, that's great. But like, why, why does everyone look orange in street style photos? That, Please. We need to have that conversation. <laughs> Listen, I've asked so many photographers and they're just like, dude, they love contrast. I don't know. But it's like saturation, like just turn it all the way fucking up. But it's, it is something that I feel like, and it's funny because, you know, when we started having this conversation, I didn't know that we were going to talk about Palestine this much. But, I know me either. But I love that we did because like, that's the other thing. It's like, this is just the nature of being Palestinian is that it's, it's constantly on our mind Mm -hmm. and that's something that can never be taken away. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we will always connect on. And it is something that we can truly speak about forever and ever and never tire. Really? I mean, never, we never tire. I, like we said, we're stubborn. Yeah. We're tenacious. Yeah. We won't stop. Yeah. No, I like, I also not to open a whole other can of worms, but, um, (laughs) please do like just being, to my knowledge, a hundred percent Palestinian. If things continue to go where they are and I choose to have children with my current partner, they're going to be half white, half Palestinian, but I'm going to go ham on making sure they know all about their culture. Um, and I don't want them to feel like pressured, but like I feel the pressure to continue on the knowledge about Palestinian culture. So I want them to feel like comfortable and celebratory in it. You know what I mean? And basically like if they end up like, like a Bella Hadid, I will be very proud. I'm going to tell you something right now. I only have all the nieces and nephews I have, which are millions. 
one of my nieces is fully Palestinian. Mm -hmm. The rest of them are all half. Mm -hmm. I have two nieces that are half white. One of them, her name is actually Bella, Isabella. Wow. Uh, She's 14 years old. She, you know, for all intents and purposes, looks like a little white girl, Mm -hmm. right? But like, if you really know, you're like, oh, that's a Palestinian kid. But like, her Instagram bio says Palestinian. Hell yeah. And like, my sister is not super like hard. Like, she's not like very cultural. And it's very interesting to observe just like the way that they're so drawn to being Palestinian. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not something that's being forced. And it's like my parents are Palestinian, but like they're not the most Palestinian Palestinians. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're not doing Debka, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But they, it's just like, they're drawn to it. And it's like, again, that's why I'm like, it's just this like innate, like you're born as a Palestinian. If, If you're Palestinian in any capacity, like you just we'll wake up one day and be like, Oh my God, like fucking Palestine. Amazing. I love it. Mm -hmm. from there, like, this is great. And like, I will never shut the fuck up about it now. And honestly, I'm like, it was, it was definitely a concern that I had specifically because I was like, Oh, like, you know, if you, if you're white presenting, why would you choose that? Mm -hmm. Right. But like, on her own volition, just like loves telling people that she's Palestinian and will be very quick to fight anyone who's like, well, you don't look Palestinian. She's like, well, I goddamn am. So it's, I love to hear that. I feel like there's so much less of like our parents specifically really wanted to assimilate. And when they couldn't do it themselves, hope that we would assimilate, that we would be like either white passing or we would just be American. Just tell people you're American. You were born here. My dad still says that. He was like, you were born here. Oh, my mom still fights me on that. It's like, why just say that you're American? And it's like, I, I like, of course I'm American. I was born here, but I'm also Palestinian. And I feel like we are, our generation and the generations below us are turning away from this pressure to assimilate and taking more pride in our cultures. But it's because we like, that's the thing. My, I'm like, I get it because like, for my parents to be American was something that they had to work very hard. So for. hard. It was, I was just born here. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I, it means nothing to me. So like, you know what I mean? In fact, I'm like, it's embarrassing. And I will tell anyone that. And like, truly I'm like, there's nothing more embarrassing to me than being American. But for my parents, it is, uh, in a sense, like, not that they think that like, oh, being American is like the ultimate, but like for them being refugees, not having passports yeah, to have a passport, huge. it's like, that's a form of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that America represents freedom. And I don't think that my parents even think that, but I think that like, just in general, having a passport is like, whoa, a freedom to just exist. Yes. Yeah. So like, I, I get it. I definitely get it. And my mom also, you know, she's experienced so many things that like, she's, she gets worried if we're too vocal, yeah, you know? Yes. And, and I totally a hundred percent understand that. And I don't think she's being paranoid because I, I think that people have been, you know, imprisoned and had terrible things happen to them just for speaking out about Palestine. But I also think that like, not that I'm saying I'm smarter or whatever than them, but I think as an American who was born here, I do have, I do have American entitlement. Mm. And so it is, I do feel differently about it. Cause I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do to me? Like, right. do you know what I mean? You, we have the, like our parents did all of the work yeah. 
and had to assimilate from a safety yes. standpoint. Yeah. And now we have the privilege and yes. the freedom yes. to choose not to do that. Exactly. And they it's had like, to do it. And we, because of their hard work, have the choice not to. Exactly. Um, and it's very disturbing to my mother, but you know, I feel like deep down inside, she likes it. You I mean, know? they're, they're, I mean, I know they're proud that I'm proud. Right. But I also think that she, truly she does sometimes just like, Oh my God, you're so silly. Like, silly like goose. she's just like, like, shut up like you know what i mean yeah. like she's like you're always wearing your palestine necklace like we get it like you know what i mean I'm i like, know mom like it's cute i love it and she's just like it's you silly little white kid like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah she's like you little you were born in florida shut the fuck up that's so true yeah, they're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Mm, you were born in kansas yeah like just but okay go off yeah 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 but like it i know that like definitely deep down she's just like i'm proud yeah you know but like also like Arab parents famously so much trouble expressing. Oh my God. Yeah. Anything. Emotions. But don't get, my mom is doing great. My dad is very, he's always been very vocal. So, you know, that's cool. But like you, it is a testament to, although Palestinians are very stubborn, they are willing to change when it is a positive change for the people that they love. So true. And when I tell you that my mom is now the type of mom who says, I love you constantly. And this is a woman who never heard those words from her parents and not in a way that her parents didn't love her, but just because like no one did, said that to their kids mm-hmm. in the fucking forties, mm-hmm. you know, no one was going around telling their kids, I love you. Mm-hmm. It's like, obviously I love you. You're alive and I'm taking care of you. Like, right. I love you. Dummy. Yeah. Don't be a bozo. But like my mom now is just like constantly texting me. Like, I love you. And I'm like, Ugh. you've unlocked some doors, but also like, yeah, like we're stubborn when we want to be. But, but like also willing, willing to change. Yeah. Will, willing to change in positive ways. Unlike Zionists. Um, I just honestly, can someone like listen to every episode and count how many times I've shot on Zionists just like in total, because I feel like it's has to be thousands of times. One of your, one of your devout fans is going to go through and do that please, for you. Please do it. I feel like it'll be so fun. Um, but honestly, I, I feel like there's so many other things I want to talk to you about, but I'm like, Oh, do we do need to wrap up the episode? Um, but I feel like if I haven't stressed this enough, Dania is very intelligent and very insightful. And I think you should definitely follow her on TikTok, read her, you know, her pieces on the cut, but also please plug what, what do you want to plug? Oh my I, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so nice of you. I don't know. Like, however you want to, you want to support both Noor and I. <laughs> You can, you can, whatever tickles your fancy, you can yeah. follow us on Instagram, yeah. follow it's, us on Twitter, sure. whatever you want, whatever you feel like is going to support these two girlies that yeah. are having this conversation, go for it. And I'm going to link, uh, Dania's socials in the episode description. As always, you will find a lovely photo of her on the Arab American psycho, um, Instagram account, and you should definitely follow her. And again, follow her on TikTok because she is a good follow. And I, I also do, I feel like I need to confess. I'm like, I'm very guilty of, I will enjoy people's TikToks, but I don't follow them. Oh but yeah. Like the, for you page knows that I like them. So it keeps It'll showing come up them again. To me. So I did realize today that I don't actually follow you. So I started following Dania today and that was my confession. Wow. So, you know what? Nora? I didn't even notice that. I know you it's just really outed fun. yourself to me. But that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I am capable of not every thought in my mind. I just <laughs> have to say, it. but like, I was like, Oh fuck! I don't like. There's so many people that I like on TikTok that I don't follow. Like, but it's because I, I, of where you page will show them to me. And yeah, so, like I'm not missing it. That actually, like, that's something that's a conversation people have in tech. Yeah, like in the tech sphere, they're yes. like, oh, you're not as likely to follow people on TikTok unless yeah. you like really, 
really want to follow them. Like you have to consciously think about it. And they're like, I thought I followed you. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because you're always on my for you. Yeah. Like, You'll see them like, again. Oh, I, I follow her. Yeah. But I was like, today I was like, oh shit. You know what? If you didn't follow me and if you never followed me, I honestly wouldn't take it personally. Listen, and that's on being a normal person with a brain. Wow. You know? And that's on not being a dummy because guys just fucking relax be mad about real things don't be mad about fake things you could follow me on instagram where you know i'm just posting pictures of my outfits you could follow dania where she's just being cool as fuck you also posting outfit pictures also posting outfit pictures uh a thousand percent and also uh not i forgot my tagline guys i'm rusty i haven't uploaded in a few weeks you definitely noticed that but as always don't forget to floss your teeth don't be an asshole no fuck it's real where don't forget to wear your sunscreen floss your teeth don't be an asshole and i will talk to you maybe next sunday maybe not next sunday i don't fucking know leave me alone you could subscribe to my patreon i don't fucking know okay bye bye